Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I am a night owl. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. That's pretty sexy. I'm going to be really hopeful. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I'll drop off a casserole. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. No, I can carry the three bags and the three kits. I got it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about asking for big help, like big help. But before we ask for big help, Amy, I regret to inform you that we must throw ourselves on our swords and ask for an enormous apology because (laughs) it doesn't happen often, but we made a startling and perhaps unforgivable error. I mean, if people want to ban and block our podcast. I can't blame them. We got dragged for good reason. We got rightfully called out for our sins. Okay. On our episode, two types of people, family debates, Amy. I don't know if we were tired for the pandemic. I don't know if we were just having an off day, but you and I both loudly and with great fervor insisted that one should eat cup of noodles with a spoon. And only a spoon. And that We were like mocking people for using a fork. And in fact, people were like, how the heck would you eat those slippery noodles off of a spoon? It makes no sense. Yeah. Our dear friend, Patty. We both know her. Rightfully called us out and said, it's chopsticks (laughs) or nothing. Some people feel they have trouble with chopsticks. She was trying to argue that you just shovel. You don't have to have the full chopstick technique. It's a shoveling event. It's chopsticks and then drink the liquid that's remaining. That was her technique. Okay. That's probably is the correct technique. I have to keep a fork in the mix. There are people who have a mental block on using chopsticks and I'm going to keep a fork in the distant mix, but I don't know. It's obviously been you and I need to sit down and share a cup of noodles and we need to know better and do better because obviously you cannot eat cup of noodles with a spoon. We were dead wrong and we want you to know that when we're wrong, we will return, we will apologize, and we will call out people like Patty who correct us correctly. Brene Brown would be so proud of you, Margaret. That was so vulnerable. We're ta- I'm taking ownership. I'm taking ownership of my mistakes. And I am supplicating myself in front of you all and asking for forgiveness because I don't know what we were thinking loudly and surely 
with great conviction telling poor people out there (laughs) to eat cup of noodles with a spoon. It's bonkers. And I don't blame you if you reject every other advice we give you on this podcast, but hopefully we can earn back your trust. That's all I'm saying. That was the bad one. Okay. All right. Thank you. Horrible misstep. A horrible misstep. (laughs) But anyway, we've apologized and now we're going to move on and do our best going forward. This topic that I want to talk about this week, asking for big help, came, as many things do, from our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash what I shall cast. Julie is one of our listeners. She asked, when have you asked for big help lately and what's the breaking point? I'd never heard this term big help before. I think she was making it up, but I loved it because it's one of these things like we know what it is when we see it. Well, what do you think it is? What does big help mean to you, Amy? Big help is, can you fly across the country to help me right now because my spouse is in the hospital and my kid just broke his leg. Big help is, uh, you know, can you loan me considerable amount of money, right? Like big help, it's two o'clock in the morning. Can you come over because my baby has a fever and can you sit with the toddler? Yeah, pick up a prescription on the way over. Yeah, like short list, big ask. And I want to pick apart why this is hard for us, because everybody, I think, at some point, if you're a parent, is going to be on the asking side of big help and on the receiving side of that ask. And being on the receiving side kind of feels good most of the time. And so I don't know why we get so wrapped up on, is this big enough? Is my need big enough that I can ask? Like the, It's much more painful to be the asker than I think it should be. And I think there are reasons for that. But I'm curious about that, because... Having been on the receiving side of that 2 a.m. call, you are happy to help. You're happy to be of help. So let's talk about why asking is hard. There's a book called May Day, Asking for Help in Times of Need. Nora Bouchard wrote that book, and she suggests, I like these couple of ideas, that asking for help requires surrendering control. I think it means that this problem is bigger than I can handle. This is more than I could do, right? Moms are supposed to be able to handle it all, juggle everything at once. Nope, this is more than I can handle. Being perceived as needy. Yes. I don't know if that's what's holding me from like, you know, pressing call on my phone, but okay. It's pride. Yeah. There's a huge amount of pride that goes into it. I've got this. Yeah. It's a big part of our identity. Yeah. Right. And, you know, when there's big help and it involves, say, completely hypothetical example, a child's mental illness, right? Asking for big help or a spouse's mental illness or your own mental illness. These are things that are very hard to let people under the tent of, because you do fear rejection. Well, this is what I was kind of holding off, but I'm going to just lean in and leap in with it. Okay, just tell me. I'm not going to hold it for our grand sweepsweep finale. (laughs) I think that there are two categories of big help. Okay. Big help that feels justified and big help that doesn't feel justified. So like my spouse died unexpectedly, big help is needed. You know, that can sometimes feel maybe more justified to people than my child has a disorder that seems somewhat invisible to you, but is really breaking us here at home that maybe we've kind of kept a little bit more private. And it's like, I think the triggering incident for the big help has a lot to do with it sometimes. Okay. All right. So what you're saying is like the big help, like your spouse dies suddenly and people know it, like it's out there. It's true. It's so there's no hiding from it. So the ask becomes overwhelming for different reasons, but it isn't letting people know that this is going on. So if it's something that people wouldn't necessarily know is going on or that you need help with, that's another obstacle. I see. You're right. Letting go of the secret. That's right. That's a part of it too. Right. So the secret. Or like, hey, 
maybe part of the problem is that your marriage isn't going great and your spouse isn't helping you with the things they need help with. I have a friend who lost her husband several years ago and we were talking about it and she was saying in her same town, she knew somebody whose spouse had left them for someone else. It was a kind of a shock divorce, you know, Mm -hmm. and that she was saying like, there are people coming to shovel her walk still a year later and still, you know, helping take the kids to their sports practices because connecting with someone whose spouse died seems easier for people than connecting with someone whose spouse left or had, I can think of another incident with people we know where the spouse was involved in something that was pretty untoward, scandalous. And Mm -hmm. this wife was also left pretty alone and high and dry, but people didn't want to get near them because of kind of the underlying issue that had happened. First of all, made people mad. And second of all, it was untoward and people kind of didn't want to touch it. I talk a lot about access points, like how we access each other. And some people's access points are a little bit harder to find. And I think that makes this big help thing a lot harder. Yeah, I had never thought of this. Is the thing you need help with a secret being, you know, a major sort of fulcrum on which the difficulty of asking for help would turn? But that's definitely a big one. Another one is sort of fear of overstepping a friendship. Okay, like it is two in the morning, right? And the baby is a fever and the toddler's still asleep and your spouse is out of town or whatever it is you're dealing with. That hesitation that you have before you call, who are you going to call? (laughs) Is this in our wheelhouse? You know, are we good enough friends for me to ask for this? Right? This is a huge thing across the board as moms and humans. Yeah. And we've talked about this to some degree. We talked about with Deborah Porter in the talking to our kids about race episode, right? That like, yeah, but I'm a white mom and I don't want to be running around saying like, we need to talk about Cesar Chavez. We need to be teaching the kids about black history. Like, is that my role as the white mom? Like, is this my role? Like, I kind of know her. There's definitely that role of like, you know, tragedy porn and people being like, oh, my God, this person was my best friend. And now I'm devastated by this loss. And it's like, uh, dude, we don't know you that well, you know. Right. I think as long as you are offering concrete and tangible help that you're never in the wrong. People can say no. But I think if you insert yourself in someone's tragedy, you're way off base, like running around, you know, at the funeral, carrying on, talking to everybody about how hard it is for you. Skip that. Walking up to anyone who's had a loss and saying, hey, I know we don't know each other that well, but I would love to bring you guys dinner next week is a great thing to do. Right. But I was talking about, does this friendship contain this, like being the asker and being worried about that? Oh, yeah. That's a whole other thing. I think those are both true. You know, but yeah. So I'm talking about like, does Julie like know me well enough for me to be calling her at two o'clock in the morning? Or does Julie want to be my friend enough to keep being my friend once I confide in her that, you know, we've been going through this crisis. It's disrupting our friendships. You know, there's a risk of it. And I think it's lower than we think it is being on the asking end, right? Like this person won't want to be my friend anymore if I ask her to come over in the middle of the night. That seems crazy from the outside. But when it's you, you're afraid to ask. And I got another complicating factor for you right now, the pandemic. Everybody's been in their houses, right? Like I don't know one household that over the last year didn't have something serious going on, right? Something serious that that crucible brought to light, made something you couldn't turn away from anymore and made worse, you know, whatever. Everybody had their something this year. And 
yet we were separated from each other. And I think that also made it hard. Like, can I call this friend in the middle of the night? Because I haven't really seen her in six months and I don't really know what she has going on. Right. Right. You don't know what's going on with her. And so what can I make this ask of somebody? What if her big help need is bigger than mine and I don't even know it? Yeah, but you can say that out loud. I don't know what's going on with you, but I am really desperate. And could you help me with this thing? Mm-hmm. And then I have one other big picture suggestion on this, which has been borne out through living through a couple of like disasters with people I know. And I was just talking about in the Facebook group, we have a listener who lost their husband recently and was talking about the difficulty of, you know, you're at a wake in a funeral, you've just lost your spouse. People are like, let me know if I can help. I'd love to help. And everybody is saying it. But then when the dust settles, who were those people? If you are close to someone who experiences a loss, assign yourself to be a person who makes, you want an Amy in your life because you need someone to make an Excel spreadsheet. Right. And you should make an Excel spreadsheet for that person that says, I am willing to shovel snow. I am willing to deliver meals at any time. I am always available for a middle of the night phone call. I am the person you should call one year from now if something goes wrong and other people have helped you a lot already. And like really formalizing this stuff for people who are having big problems, because what ends up happening when someone dies is everybody kind of brings 400 casseroles the first two weeks. And then when the person really needs stuff, there's kind of no one to help them out. Yep. Right. And you're left wondering, just to put the focus back on that person, you're left wondering, did they mean it? Who were those people anyway? I can't even remember because I was, you know, not fully present. And can I really ask this thing of this person? And I just think it's something that you really can kind of formalize. Yeah. You can say, hey, my kid just got diagnosed with something. I don't know what I'm going to need. You call your sister or your best friend and you say, I need you to do something for me. I need you to go out to my network of friends and then I'm going to call you when the boiler breaks and I need somebody who knows about boilers to come over and fix it for me. And you're going to maintain that list. One of our listeners, Shivanji, suggested a website that I had never heard of called lotsahelpinghands.com. So I will put the link in the show notes for this episode. She said it's a platform that you can use to sort of create this list, like who can help with what. Yes. And she said, I loved this idea. Somebody from out of town can be the manager of your calendar. Yes. You know, your sister-in-law lives a three-hour plane ride away. She can still manage your lotsahelpinghands.com site. And that's a way to be of big help to somebody that you could just sort of take over. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about how to have these systems in place, maybe ahead of time. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. 
Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So I was just talking about this last night that I was going to be doing this episode today with a friend who lives in Northern California. And she said, oh, this is not a problem for me and my friends where I live. And I said, why is that? And she said, you know, over the last like four or five years, they have had major wildfires out there every year. And she said, we have gotten, because of necessity, extremely comfortable with getting and giving big help. She said, like, you're, we had a family, you know, living with us and the two-year-old had one set of pajamas and they live with us for two weeks and that's what he had to wear. And then the next year they're helping somebody else. And she's like, it gets really real, really fast. And so this idea of, am I worthy of help? Am I helpable enough? Are you also needing help? Kind of goes away when it's like any of us might need something big at any time. The ask gets really easy. Yeah, because I think there's a reciprocity. Right. And I think there can be a problem. Like, I have friends who are chronically ill, who have chronically ill children, and or who have suffered the kind of loss that they're having a lot of trouble getting back on their feet from. And I think it can feel, from both sides, the person can feel like they're asking too much. And honestly, their support system can feel like, I cannot manage your problems and my own problems. And yeah, it leads to like very, very bad feelings. I've seen friendships fall apart over it. And it it is a challenging dynamic when somebody needs a ton of help. And because of whatever circumstance they're in, they're not always able to offer that same help in return. And I think that's something that you have to solve for too a little bit that like, hey, I'll bring you dinner, you're bed bound, let's say, because of whatever's going on with you. I'll bring your dinner. I'm also going to bring you my extra laptop and you're going to go through and like unsubscribe me from all my lists or whatever. Like if you can find ways to be like, this is what you have to give and this is what I have to give and let's try to help each other because then it doesn't become the thing of like, I guess we all have to take care of Barb, you know, like Barb always needs the help. And you're right. It is the reciprocity that makes it easy and the lack thereof that can make it more difficult. Yeah. And there's kind of more dignity in that for the person who is receiving the big help, you know. Something else just occurred to me that is a factor in this is the need for the big help, acute or chronic, right? If your friend's house burns down, that's pretty sexy. I'm going to be really helpful, right? Yeah. But my friend's kid, you know, has a 
I don't know, an advancing disease that's taking away her mobility. And that's how it's going to be for the rest of that kid's life. I hope I wouldn't be such a lousy friend as to not be that helpful. But it's different when it's going to be true next week, next year, forever. But not talking about you, but like you would be a lousier friend to that person. Everybody would be because at a certain point, like the like, are you kidding me? I'd love to grab a bucket and rush over and put your house fire out. You're going to have a very different level of mental and emotional engagement with that than like, oh, this is you four of you having this chronic disease. It's a natural thing and it's something to sort of solve for in the equation And this is another big place to watch your story, right? This person always needs, it's so exhausting dealing with this person who's always got a problem. Let's say you have a friend who's financially having problems and you're trying to help them out. You have every right to sit down and be like, the most amount of money I could contribute to this person's well-being is $20 a week, let's say. That's absolutely within your rights. But like, take a step back think about that and have that conversation rather than letting it become the story of like, oh my God, I wish they'd never met this person. They've just become this huge financial drain in my life and it's a nightmare. Yeah. And if the answer is like, I'm kind of done with this and the amount of money I'm willing to give is zero, that's fine too. But I just think it's getting the clarity around how much you can and want to help versus getting stuck in the place of like, I'm going to help and be miserable about it is no good. This seems to me, though, like if we're talking about big help, we are talking about something that is a little more maybe situational than like, this is my friend who always talks about herself and never (laughs) asks about my day. You know, it's more situational, I guess, if you're asking for really big help. It does kind of mean help you don't usually need or haven't had to ask for before. I guess so. That makes sense to me. If you're on the receiving end of that, like having been on the receiving end of big asks like that, what really interests me about how hard it is to ask for help when you really, really, really need it is that when you've been asked for help by a friend who really, really needs it, you're so glad to be able to help. I had a friend last summer who lost both parents within the same month, both parents, and COVID made things much more complicated. And she called me with like a day's notice, could a couple of her kids come and stay with me for a couple of days? And I should have thought of that. I should have waited for that big ask to come in. But I was so relieved to have this concrete, specific way to be of real help to her. She had to leave the country during COVID, which meant, you know, quarantining and all that kind of thing and leaving her kids for a long time. And she needed help to be on the receiving end of that. That was a gift to me because I was sitting around, you know, wishing you could help, feeling sad for her, crying. It must be so hard to be her. I wish there was something I could do to help. And then there was something I could do to help. And it wasn't that big a deal. P.S. It was a gift to me to be in the receiving end of that. And I think that's generally the case. Like when our friends are in really in the soup, you're glad to be able to help. I don't think it's generally the case. I think it is always the case. A couple of rules that I have learned at this phase of my life in dealing with a lot of this stuff. Number one. Always try to go to the funeral. Never think to yourself, I don't know this person. I'm talking about not in COVID times. Now we can't do anything. But don't ever think like, will it be weird? I don't think this person knows me well enough. Like I know at my mom's funeral, looking out and seeing like, wow, that person came. It was touching every single time. I literally never had the thought of like, why would that person show up? I don't know them that well. Like, (laughs) right, right. Maybe if your parent is extremely famous. You might think that I can't think of an example where people would be like, I wish that person hadn't come because I haven't seen them in several years. It means so much to people to just show up. The other thing is 
always offer specific help. The more specific help you can offer, you take the burden off of the person to have to come up with a big ask. I try to say to people, instead of, let me know if I can help, I'll say like, I am a night owl. So at 2 a.m., if you need a pharmacy run, I'm your person. Try to think of like, really, not meals. Nobody needs any more meals. Like, try to think of really, I live right next to the pharmacy. I happen to have an extra car sitting in my driveway. If you need a ride anywhere, I'm a great driver, whatever it is, like offer people and then write that down for them. Send an email and say, I'm your 2 a.m. person whenever you need it. I'm your driver whenever you need it. I'm great at fixing boilers or anything that breaks in the house. Put me on that list. You know, the more you take the burden of them asking for the big help off. I have another one for funerals that was specifically helpful in one case, which was, um, I had a relative's mom died very unexpectedly. I got the kids their outfits for the funeral, you know, because on top of everything else, she had like a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and an eight-year-old who all needed like little tiny suits and shoes and stuff. And, you know, I went to Macy's and got it all. Right. And got options and returned it all after, you know, it was very helpful in a specific way. And it wasn't lasagna. That's awesome. And I hadn't thought of this before, but this goes under your decide once, you know, lazy geniuses thing that we talk about. Whenever someone dies, I'm going to call and be like, can I take your kids right after the service so that you can participate more fully in the reception? Can I get your kids clothes? Can I be the person who does anything that happens after midnight for you? Decide once and make that offer every time, make it clear and make it in writing because anything you ever need, call me, it doesn't have the same effect. So you're talking about how to sort of be an askable friend, which I really like. It's These are specific things. Be the most askable friend. That's right. And it's okay to set limitations within that too, but the clarity helps, you know? Hey, we're having our own financial issues. I wish I could give you a million dollars and solve all your problems. I can't give you any money, but anything you need on Saturday or Sunday, call me. I'll walk your dog. You look at their life and you say, where are the pressure points and the pain points that are going to come up in this situation? And which one of those am I willing to take? Yeah. And then you offer it. And hopefully they have my person who's organizing a list for all of those things. There's a possibility that you can do this sort of ahead of time too. Like it makes me think of, you know, when my kids are going to, I don't know, soccer camp or, you know, the chorus trip, the emergency contact, the person that you put down as if I can't be reached, right? Yes. And my, you know, kid needs to be taken to the town hospital. Who should you call? You know, you always kind of pause and think about it. If it's your sister, it's easy. And then otherwise it gets more complicated. And I got a phone call last summer, somebody asking me, could I be her contact for her kid who had a sort of a specific medical condition that due to my own personal history, I know something about. So I would know what to tell the nurse at the camp, like do this, don't do this. That's actually not helpful, but make sure you have this. And so can I put you down, even though you're not my sister or my sister-in-law, can you be the emergency contact for my kid? And I was really glad that she asked me, right? And of course, like nothing came of it. The kid had a fine summer, but sort of thinking of those people ahead of time and formalizing those asks is a little weird. It's kind of like having a living will or something. But it seems to me that like I've never done that. I've never said to you, hey, if you ever need me to get in the car at one in the morning, I'll do it. So, you know, I'm put me down. I'm on your short list. And it feels like asking somebody to go steady with you or something. But why don't we? Why don't we know ahead of time that you got me and I got you? Why do we wait until this and then wonder? That's right. And I think this is somewhere where people who deal with chronic disease, people with special needs kids, like I have that network of like, listen, not everyone maybe is ready to take 
your kid with very specific needs for 12 hours. But like, I know your kid. I got him. Like, if you need help, send your kid to me. Like, this gets much more complicated with people who have big asks, you know, like, hey, watch my kid is an ask and it's worth doing and stuff. But like, I just think it's so great to have that point of view. And it's something I'm working on with myself of like, how can I really help the people who I know in specific ways that's not just like, I'll drop off a casserole. Like, what do they really need? And do they know and have we discussed out loud that I am a person who they can come to to help with things that I'm going to be good at helping with and that they might need help with? Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. And now, the Mom's Performance for an Audience Awards. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Our first nominee is Chrissy Engstrom from Dayton, Ohio, for her performance in I Can't Believe You're Acting Like This. My goodness, honey. I can't believe you were throwing a tantrum like this in Target. Oh, my goodness. Hitting? I have literally never seen you like this before. I am shocked by this completely out-of-character behavior. Next up is Tanisha Holland in Sorry We're Late. So, so sorry we're late. Someone wouldn't find their shoes. Like I keep saying, put on your shoes. But I guess she must have heard, I'd love it if you'd find mommy's lipstick and rub it all over the bathroom towels. Having kids is fun, huh? It's always an adventure. 
we recognize Sally Porter in You Will Not Speak to Me That Way. You hold on just one minute, young lady. You know I will not be spoken to that way at the grocery store. Oh, eye-rolling? Absolutely not tolerated in my world, Missy. How dare you? A commanding performance by Sheila Martin in I regret that my son just said you're ugly to you when you said hello. Jakey, you know we don't talk about people's appearances in public. Remember? We talked about this that time. You told the nice lady at the pharmacy she looked like a witch. And when you told the old man at church he's going to heaven soon. Yes, I want you to use your words, but just not those words. Let's go. And finally, Kate Piermont for her truly searing performance in Look How Quiet I Am Trying to Keep You on This Airplane. Okay, that's right. Get it out of your system, honey. Would you like a cracker? No, you'd rather kick the nice lady next to you in the face. That's a poor choice. It's a poor choice. Okay, only four more hours to go. Okay, let's try to stop shrieking, sweetheart. Ooh, let's ring the call button and see if they'll bring mommy and our seatmate a cocktail. Ladies, you are all winners to us. This has been the 2019 Moms Performance Front Audience Awards from the What Fresh Health Podcast. So I want to talk about, you know, does the big help have to be so big before you ask for help? Good. We kind of front loaded this with like, okay, people are dying. People have horribly <laughs> sick children. Right. Because I think that sometimes, again, access points, like sometimes those moms are actually easier to ask rather than like, I'm done. I got a two and a four year old. I can't take it for another second. Right. So Nora Bouchard, I talked about her before. She wrote this book called May Day Asking for Help in Times of Need. She suggests that you actually like make it a practice. Practice with smaller, lower stake asks. I mean, I am just like you, the Irish Catholic stock. No, I got it, right? No, I can carry the three bags and the three kids. I got it, right? Like when I used to travel through airports with my three little ones, people would ask if they could help me. And I'd say, no, I don't know why. Like so that they could admire me as I walked away. Because you're insane. Yeah, I love to not need help. (laughs) Because for the rest of time, they'd be like, one day I met a woman in an airport who could do it all. I shall sing the song of her glory forever. Yeah, like maybe the one exception would be, yes, you can put that suitcase in the compartment for me because I'm like carrying a baby in a sling and have a two-year-old by the hand. But I love to not need help. I'm pretty attached to that independent, capable side of myself. You can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, Amy. And never, never let you forget your Margaret. To quote, maybe, (laughs) never let him forget he's a man. Back in my day. I mean, talk about an Odie Locks alert. That is best left in the past. That was a commercial that ran when we were children. It was Anjali Fragrance, I believe. Yes. I'll put it in the show notes. So yeah, so Nora Bouchard says, actually practice with lower stake asks. And I like this. Jennifer said this on her Facebook group. She said, I can ask for help even if I can technically handle it, but I just want or need a break. I don't need to drive myself to the edge of the cliff before I ask. Yeah, I solve this by being like a wildly disorganized person who often forgets (laughs) to pick my children up from school. So I have to have a small network of moms who I can turn to and be like, oops, forgot to pick one of them up. Could you grab them for me? This really like never really occurred to me like, wow, you don't have to wait until you really need help. You can just wait until you want help and then ask just somebody like that seems crazy to me. But what if it wasn't? Yeah, it's not. Despite all my Irish Catholicness, we recently in the post-COVID, post-vaccine world had our first 
family gathering. And not that it's a post-COVID world, but it was a vaccinated group of people. And it was outside. Listen, I'm going to keep justifying myself, but it was fun. (laughs) And it turned out to be at my house. And I wanted to host it, but it was three days because normally we would go to a restaurant one night and we would do that. So we're not going to restaurants. So it was going to turn out to be like three full meals for a large group of people at my house with like a lot of COVID protocol stuff. It was a big ask. And as we talked about it, I would have never done this 10 years ago. I was like, here's the thing. If I host, I'm not cooking anything. And so everyone else cooks something and bring it. And we'll get taken one night and then y'all figure out the meals. And like, here's an email list. You guys figure it out. My sister figured out the meals. It was super relaxing. It worked out great. And I didn't have a moment. I let go of the thing where like, I'm going to do it all and get to be righteous and grumbly about how hard I work for everybody and no one appreciates me. Mm -hmm. Did have to let go of that satisfying moment. But it was super helpful because I said, this is a different circumstance and I'm going to need a lot more help than I usually get. And you know what? It worked out great. It was a good lesson. It's another good COVID lesson. Like being a superhero is so uninteresting. It's such a bore. Yeah. And there are seasons of this, right? Like there are times like you have 18 people coming for dinner, like you're going to need more help. There's times when you're, I don't know, when these are seasonal. These are these big asks are sort of, they come and go. They're acute, they're moments. And for you to not be your usual independent, capable self is what the doctor ordered for that moment in your life. Yep. And I do think that the flip side of the like, oh, it's so easy, see, is the chronic stuff where you feel like, you're always asking for help and it's trying to like set up systems where you can be helpful and that that person can ask for stuff without overwhelming any individual person because that does happen. And it's not because you're not a good friend and it's not because the person is an over asker. It's because situations can get very overwhelming. Yeah. And if you're the person who's like, why is nobody seeing that I'm overwhelmed right now? Like one, maybe they're not. Two, maybe they didn't listen to this episode. I don't know. They don't have ideas, but you do have to be unafraid to ask for the thing and kind of have it ready. Like, oh God, I'm thinking of somebody in my life right now. Like, why have I not called this person over the last year and a half and offered actionable, specific help? I should have, you know, I could have, I would have, I didn't. I think this person is getting a lot of help, but that person in that situation, it's sometimes you look at it from the outside, like, I wish I could help in some way. And then you, you know, the sleep of the righteous because you had that if only thought. But if that person called me and said, I really need you to start bringing my daughter home from Girl Scouts every week until the end of the year. You would do it. I would be psyched, right? Yeah. And there's a truth somewhere in the middle because having been on both ends of this, I was once in an extremely bad accident and just like driving to the hospital. I mean, just staring out the window and being like, why are those people walking down the street? Why are those people sitting in a cafe? Like, don't they realize that this thing has happened? Things happen only to you. The ripples of that don't affect everybody. Trauma is isolating. And Mm -hmm. so if you sit at home kind of stroking the orb of no one really cares about me because look at what they're not doing for me, you will find all the justification you ever need to like golem stroke that precious for the rest of your life. Mm. Because that is true that like, and I've seen people lose children, lose spouses, be involved in unbelievable tragedies. And you know what happens? Other people move on with their lives. That is 
the absolute nature of the world. And when it has happened to me, I have found it extremely isolating and painful. Like, but how could you guys just be having that event when you know this bad thing happened to me? Because that is the way of humanity and it stinks. And so don't sit at home like rubbing that preciousness of I'm all alone and no one cares. Ask for the help you need. At the same time, we can as friends realize that that is true, that like my life is extremely busy. I often say like I'm in a lifeboat with five people and it's taken on water. It's not a lot of time in my day where I'm looking around being like, how is that guy over there getting eaten by a shark doing? It's like not my problem. I got problems of my own and I do have problems of my own and they're real problems and they may not be as big as other people's problems, but they take a lot of my mental energy. So I think we have to watch both stories. The story of no one cares about me and my problems, and I'm going to just sit at home and bask in how everyone else is doing great and laughing and not thinking about me. Wrong story. And I'm too busy. I have to keep my lifeboat from taking on water. I can't possibly be bothered with other people's problems. People can be bad noticers of how much you need help, right? particularly if you're sort of an extremely capable person who likes to seem like they have their act together. But that doesn't mean, because they're bad noticers, that they aren't willing to take your daughter home from Girl Scouts every week for the rest of the year, right? Like even that person who's not really getting how much you need right now is probably very happy to be on the other end of a specific ask to be a good friend to help. It isn't like, can you you're not asking your friend who has three kids of her own, can you move in with me and take care of my kids? You know, and sometimes these little things that would really lighten our load seem like these big asks. And I think they're not if you really sort of write them down and know what they are. Right. I think what we've come to so clearly and I hadn't thought about it in exactly this way. I like this lots of helping hands dot com thing. I like the like meal train and I really like the meal trains that involve more like, I will shovel the snow. I will be your point person. Meals, I don't know anybody who's had a tragedy who didn't throw away 40 pounds of food. Mm. It's never happened because everybody is like, I'll be helpful by dropping off this lasagna. And it's like, okay, stop with the lasagnas and get on a Excel spreadsheet that says, I will pick up nighttime medications. I will drive kids on a minute's notice. I can do that Wednesday and Thursday any week, you know? Right. I will wrap all the Christmas presents this year, whatever it needs to be done. Great. And I love the like, I'll pick up, try to think of the things maybe other people aren't. I'll walk the dog, but also I'll get the kids clothes for the funeral. Like, and I think if we can get out of the storytelling of like, nobody really cares, look, and then we can get out of the storytelling of like, oh, my God, that person is just like a drag on my life. And like, if I touch that quicksand, it's going to pull me under. We will all be better at asking for and giving really useful help to each other, which is fundamentally what we all want. There is nobody sitting around and like drumming their hands like Mr. Burns <laughs> and being like, I love not helping my friend who's in crisis. Nobody's doing that. It's not happening. It makes us feel you're actually giving your friends a gift when they can be concretely helpful to you. But the onus is on you a little bit to be like the next time somebody says, if there's something I can do to help, let me know to say actually, yes. Yeah. And stop telling yourself the story of I don't know that person well enough to ask for help and stop telling yourself the story of I don't know that person well enough to insert myself in their crisis. Mm. I mean, and you might, I definitely have sort of asked about stuff and kind of gotten the like, come no closer thing. And that's okay. Now, wait a minute, because that's a really good point. 
Offering help once is very different than inserting yourself in other people's tragedy. There are definitely, I've definitely been involved in, especially, what's the word? Like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not exciting tragedies, but like high profile tragedies or specifically, you know, dramatic tragedies that people do kind of come out of the woodwork wanting to be part of it in a specific way. Don't be that person. Mm -hmm. You go in, you offer help. You're not inserting yourself in terms of like, I am the per You don't make it about yourself fundamentally. That's the difference. Yeah. Offer help. And if it's rejected, maybe offer help once more six months later. Right, right, right. Because that's the point. That's yeah. when somebody's like, gee, I really could use help now that everybody's gone home. Man, everybody knows it, but it's hard to do. Well, I think we've completely solved this completely complicated and... <laughs> But I'm getting it. I understand it now. No one ever <laughs> will suffer during a tragedy again, Amy, thanks to us and our podcast, which is good to know. I know how to be a helper and I know how to ask for help more than I did 40 minutes ago. So thank you. It's a complicated dance and it's hard for so many reasons, but this is a good place for my husband's great advice, which is what if you just assumed good intent on that person's part, you know? Mm. He was involved in an incident that was extremely tragic, and it was the kind of thing where people said a lot of the wrong things about it, you know? And I was quite amazed by his ability to be like, I think I know what they're trying to say. Even though they said really a terrible, insensitive, kind of ugly thing, he and his family both kept saying, and I was so wowed by them. Whatever people are going to say, because they don't know what to say, I'm just going to try to hear, I love you and I want to be here for you. And I was like, what miraculous people these people are to be able to try to do that in light of like people doing it so wrong, you know? And really, it was kind of a game changer for me. Like, yeah, what if we could just operate in this, like in from our place of maximum generosity? And what if we can assume when we're ready to ask for big help that other people yes. are ready to say, I love you and I want to be here for you. Assume that that's the response instead of uh, I'm kind of busy this week. If they're nasty and toxic, you're going to figure that out real quick. They're not going to slip by you. That's good information. All right. Now I think we've really <laughs> solved it. We've extra solved it. If we went on for 10 more minutes, Amy, we would. We now we've totally solved it. Super final solve it. Guys, will you follow us on Instagram if you don't already? We're at what fresh hellcast i put all the episodes up on there and share funny memes you guys share with us and uh, we're having fun there come join us there no pressure but my kids are goofing on us that we do not have enough instagram followers and i can't really have that in my house guys i can't <laughs> have it save me from my kids goofing on us that we don't have enough followers on instagram please that's some big help that is some big help go help some people go ask for some help and friends we will talk to you next time bye-bye Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. 
So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.